product licensing is the holy grail of interior design. And today we're talking all about it with Stacy Garcia. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your interior design business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, the podcast specifically designed to accelerate your business through increased social media presence, impactful online content, and translating industry experience into physical success. This is your design business tightly fastened. Now welcome the hosts of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell and Natalie Graff. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, Brenda Vaccaro Powell. <laughs> oh, Darla. Do you, are you so hyped up on cold meds you even forgot that oh, I'm sitting here? Yeah, we'll, we'll go into that in a second. So who am I? Why you have introduce these, me? These Brenda no. Vaccaro tones, or Suzanne Plachette, would have also been accepted. As an answer. I know neither one of those. So my target audience out there, I think some of them know who I'm talking about. We we won't date ourselves. And since Darla is so rude and hyped up on cold meds, I am Natalie Giraffe, the soulless ginger, aka the nag. Hello and welcome. Welcome to twenty twenty. I can you believe it? Time travel. You know, speaking of time travel, I've been watching The Watchmen on HBO. I just finished up the season finale. So amazing. So mind-blowing, really good. But let's talk about why we're sick. Okay, so we're not really recording this in 2020. We are fresh off the heels of going to Leon Nagara's Window Works expansion party. Yes, we are. And <laughs> in in New York City and snowball fights with Jerry Cerruti's grandson. Yes, and all that cold weather pretty much creeped up on us and made us sick. And now it's a competition to who was sicker. And I think Darla wins and she's trying to make it a point oh, that she wins that she I did was win. sicker than I was. Well, I had fever and chills. And I, I had chills. They're multiplying. And I was losing control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you shouldn't do that sick, darling. Especially sick. I can't I sing well, much less sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was worth it. I, I will tell you, uh, the highlight of my trip was staying with Jerry Cerruti and just absolutely waylaying her six-year-old with snowballs. Her six-year-old grandson. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but see, I have to let you guys know that Jack and I went outside Jack is her grandson, Mm -hmm. went outside before Darla came out and I took a snow shovel and tried to build a big fort for him and I to hide behind. And then we gathered a whole bunch of snowballs. So when (laughs) she came out, we could ambush her. Yeah, that was that was a very unsuccessful ambush. You know, I forgot how much how much of a workout snowball fight was. That was my my hit training for the day. Another highlight, of course was seeing the the sweet dance recital at Luann's <laughs> expansion party with Taylor Spellman and Sandra Funk and Luann and Kim from the Window Works. Oh, my gosh. How how crazy are these ladies? Oh, in, yes. In a it, good way. It was good. We had a great time. Let's just say they are all flexible AF. Yes, they are. I, I left that party thinking, man, I really need to get back into my yoga. That's Wait. probably be a good idea. <laughs> I couldn't have done... 10% of what they did. And Taylor Spellman, she's a great dancer. That's Absolutely. what she did professionally for a while there, right? Yeah. I know, I know. I didn't know that. So anyway, I cannot believe we're into 2020 now. Oh, so many new things on the pike. A whole bunch of very exciting things for Wingnut Social coming up this year. And I hope you guys have already set your business goals for the year. We're going to dig in and help you with those here with this podcast as we get healthier here in the next couple. Yes, that's right. <laughs> we're going to talk all about how to land a product licensing deal. And Ellen Danik, I'm sure sure you're going to have to go take a drink because Darla is going to want to try some of this when she's done, I'm sure. It right. never fails. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about today's guest, Stacy Garcia. She probably doesn't need much of an introduction since this is an interior design industry-based podcast and you all are interior designers and you are familiar with who she is. But I'm going to tell you who the hell she is anyway. 
Stacy Garcia is a leader in design and has built a global lifestyle brand featuring products with personality. Her designs aim to be inviting and add to the sense of well-being to all who enter a hotel or home. Stacy strives to inspire designers and design-minded individuals to create distinctive environments that have a positive impact on others. Noted for her bold color combinations and unexpected designs, Stacy Garcia remains a leading innovator in the industry. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Stacy Garcia to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Stacy Garcia. Welcome to the podcast. How the hell are you? I'm doing great today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on board. I know we had a couple of rescheduling conflicts here, but we're so happy to finally have you. Even though Natalie and I have the cooties today, we were so excited to get this interview underway that we decided to just brave it through, even on cold medicine. So I apologize in advance if I say things that make absolutely no sense. That's fine. And now, you know, at this point, your nasal voice sounds a little closer to mine. Mine is, you know, born and bred in New York, and I've been accused of sounding like Fran Drescher. So welcome to my world. I know. (laughs) You know what? I'm glad you said that. That, you know, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> Wait, that, I thought in the intro, darling, you were Brenda Vaccaro. Brenda Vaccaro, Vaca- excuse no, me. Or yes. Susan Plachette. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sus- Suzanne Plachette, I should say. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. All right. So, Stacy, today we're talking about product licensing, and we have touched on it with guests in the past, but I don't think we've ever had an expert on who has the experience and the track record that you do. So, we're very excited to give our listeners some tips and takeaways on how the hell they can get some product licensing deals. So, let's just dive right in, shall we? Sure. You've said in the past that interior designers are your clients. So tell us just a little bit of background on that, about your company, what your company does with respect to licensing, and then we'll we'll dive in. Interior designers really have been the core customer base for my business. And many people don't know, but I before I even got into licensing, I actually started a textile company. I can kind of give you the background. My intention was always to have a branded product line and really had thought about doing licensing for a long time, but it was very hard for me to break in. You know, I was a nobody, nobody had heard of Stacey Garcia. I was this young kid kind of knocking on doors, trying to put a deal together. And I heard a lot of no's. I went and pitched to probably every fabric company in the New York area and nobody really, you know, would put a deal together with me. I had one company who was interested in picking up a pattern or two. They said, yeah, you know, these are good, good looking patterns. Yeah, we do a pattern or two. And I said, no, that's really not what I, I'm looking for. I mean, I'm really looking to do a collection. I wanted a licensed collection with my name on it. And I was getting kind of discouraged because I had this big vision for myself and, and nobody was was biting on it. And I was in my 20s, I was married. And my husband kind of said, you know, listen, what do you need to do this license deal, why can't you just put your own collection together? And what do you need these companies for? And I was like, well, you know, they have the money to do it and they have the know-how to do it. And luckily for me, he was an accountant. So he spent time with me and, and we put a business plan together and he allowed me to borrow a home equity line against my home. And I ended up creating a fabric collection instead of licensing it out of the gates, because again, it was not easy to break in as an unknown into the world of licensing. And so 20 years ago, I launched a company called Libatex, and it launched with my first textile collection and kind of the rest, you know, really became history. But 
what I found was I had to put my money where my mouth was. I, you know, I had to really take a risk before anyone else was going to bet on me. Okay, so that was 20 years ago. So I can imagine a, a young in her 20s, Stacey Garcia knocking door to door. And seriously, you had a really good um, husband, husband, yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> a really good support system there. So that's def- that was definitely an opportunity and where you're able to do the home equity and do your own licensing deal. So let's let's fast forward a little bit 20 years, you're a young designer. Now you're in your 20s, you don't have an accounting husband or maybe a, the opportunity to put out money on off of your home or you know to borrow against your home how would you recommend someone to do the same thing go knocking door to door and say hey i have a fabric collection i would like a licensing deal or has it changed a lot today is it easier is it more accessible or what would your advice you be? know i think i think it's so different today right i mean and and kind of just to paint the picture for the young listeners who might be tuning into this i mean back in the day like I think I had finally gotten onto AOL, like America <laughs> Online. I think I like paid nineteen ninety nine for my email address. Um, and yes, you used to have to pay to have access to. The I internet. remember. And, I remember. You know, y- your modem was like plugged into a phone line and made a really weird noise. <laughs> yeah, wait, before how'd it go you would get online. <laughs> so you know, the world was very different. You know, at that point of time. I mean, when I launched, I literally like typed up a letter and sent it out to <laughs> 200 people and said to them, like, I'm launching this collection. If you're going to be in Las Vegas, come see my booth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was very different. And and I have to pre-call it because it sort of sounds spoiled, like, oh, she had $50,000 in home equity. Like, you know, what is she, a trust fund baby? But the, <laughs> the reality is, like, we weren't. It was every last penny that we had saved. You know, we had lived in a tiny walk up in Manhattan on the Upper East Side, um, not a fancy building by any stretch of the imagination. And and we like socked money away in the beginning. And this was every dime that we had saved. I was pregnant with my first child as well. So it was sort of like, you know, I was pregnant. This was every penny I had. I was really like putting it all on the line. It was really scary. And I tell people, I didn't sleep for the first two years. Like I was so afraid that I was going to have to, you know, we were going to lose our home, that it wouldn't work and that I was going to end up moving in with my in-laws, which was like a nightmare for me um, (laughs) that, you know, made me hustle. So that would be a nightmare. Yeah. Sorry, listen, and God bless them. They're very, very good to, you know, my children and to me. But, you know, listen, as a 20 something year old newlywed, you know, with a baby on the way, like you don't want to be living in your in-laws basement if you can at all not do that. Okay. So so if you're doing this today, 20 some odd years later, how would you change things? What would you do differently? So for me, 20 years ago, it was a different day and age. But regardless, in order for me to get into licensing, I first had to create my own opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. So I started Libatex 20 years ago. I think today, you know, it sounds easier. And I think it is because of all this access you do your designs, maybe you go on to a spoon flower or a Zazzle, or maybe you go on to you're making your own items, you're cutting and sewing pillows or whatever it is. And and the research is all out there and people start their social media platform and start to build their following like that. And so it's easier to create that name for yourself and, and to start up a small shop. And you don't even need the $50,000 today. You can do it with a lot less money today, you know, for the young uh, wing nutters who are listening to this. <laughs> oh, I, like I think that. the opportunities are, are out there, you know, for that. The interesting thing too, you know, just in the landscape of licensing is everybody's looking for a hook, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the purpose of licensing for me is we want to, we use it for leverage, right? So that's, that's really why we started getting into it. It's given me access as a designer to bring a lot more product to market than I would be able to afford to bring in myself or have manufactured myself. 
And I'm relying on distribution and manufacturing from the partners that we're signing up with. And then they're in turn looking to me or to other designers that they might be licensing with for our unique spin on things. So I think if, if you're out there and you're listening and you're thinking about getting into the world of licensing, it's really about thinking to yourself, you know, sort of what's your point of difference? Mm-hmm. You know, why you over somebody else? It may be your aesthetic. It may be the ingenuity you bring to design. It may be the social media following you have. For us, part of our deal is, you know, we do a lot of forecasting still, you know, that it's still something that's important to do in the marketplace. And we're working with very large manufacturers. And so part of our process is um, looking at the landscapes, you know, going to international trade shows, reporting on trends that we're seeing, attending Color Marketing Group, which is the International Color Forecasting Association, and I'm a chairholder there. And so it's it's looking at, you know, really what's trending in materials and colors and consumer buying habits and bringing that knowledge base to the party as well. So, Stacey, you do also have product licensing deals with some of the more well-known vendors as well. It's not just all DIY anymore, right? You Because you're... Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So we we transcended that. You know, the textile company, Libatex, was our jumping off point. I put my money where my mouth was, as I said, invested in myself, invested in trade shows, hired a publicist to help me get the word out about the Stacey Garcia brand and what was different, what we brought to the table. Mm-hmm. And then started hitting the ground running. I mean, you know, as you asked before, interior designers are my client base. They were my client base out of the gates because that's who I was targeting with our textile line. From there, you know, it was an interesting kind of unfolding of how my business came about. But um, Hunter Douglas was one of our first uh, licensing partners. And they're a very large, yeah. multi-billion dollar window company. <laughs> I've heard of company. them. <laughs> right. Um, you know, some people have. I would say, you know, the, depending on the generation, like my kids would probably have no idea who Hunter Douglas was or what it was. But, you know, they were at the same trade show I was at and they were in the merger and acquisition mode at the time. And they sort of, you know, were walking the show and they were circling my booth. I like to say like sharks were circling prey in the water <laughs> and approached me to say, you know, hey, listen, we're we're looking to acquire businesses and your booth is really busy. Let's sit down and talk. And I was like super sassy. You know, I was like in my late 20s. I'm like, hmm, I'm not selling my business. You know, I just started this. <laughs> my uncle was with me at the time because he lived in Vegas and he was like, you know, basically schmuck. Take the meeting. You know, <laughs> it's Hunter Douglas. Take the meeting. Um, and so I took the meeting. And what happened after that was I wasn't ready to sell my business, but we ended up putting together a licensing deal. And I started to design collections for them of textiles and, and patterns for for their hospitality division. So that was kind of the the starting point. And I ended up just spinning off a separate business entity that would just hold the licensing deals. And that became Stacey Garcia Inc. or Stacey Garcia Design House. Very smart. Which is what it is today. Yeah. So, you know, that that sort of just became basically design um, licensing and marketing company. And we own multiple brands at this point, multiple markets. That's awesome. And I'm sitting here listening, trying to take this all in, trying to figure out exactly what an interior designer might need or have in place to take a licensing deal and or to create one, to create the opportunities. And from listening to you, I don't really think they need anything, um, maybe except a publicist. I, I did catch maybe. on your publicist. Why was the publicist so important to you at that step in the journey? With that initial money, with that initial $50,000 line of credit that I had taken out against the house, 
I used probably a quarter of it on a trade show booth. So I, you know, <laughs> wow. I wanted to look legitimate, you know, so I, I spent a pretty penny on designing and it, you know, it was a tiny booth. It was the smallest space that you could possibly purchase at this design show, but I wanted the booth to represent, you know, quality and design. And so I, I bought a really fancy, you know, and, and had a really fancy booth constructed at the time. So I would look legitimate, you know, the house you're standing in looks legitimate. I hired a publicist with a portion of the money. She helped me with trade show training. She helped get the word out to a lot of the industry publications. Fabrics and Furnishings featured me in that, you know, first trade show that I was at. And it was, you know, and the rest of it went into basically sampling and running the first production round. How important do you think she was to you in, in getting traction? She was pretty critical. Okay. I mean, she, she was, you know, it was almost like trade show boot camp. You know, I had no sales experience. I mean, I was a mm, designer. Right working for somebody else before I started my business. And, you know, my job was design, not sales. So she was really a critical training person for me in terms of, you know, how you greet people, how you follow up, honing your message, right? Today, we talk about like speaking in sound bites. This was pre-speaking in sound bites, but it was really about honing your message and not being afraid to go, you know, for the ask. Yes. And knowing that you're bringing something of value. So it really was like less about selling people and more about, the first round of understanding what their needs were. And so, you know, that publicist really functioned as more than just somebody who was getting me articles written, but but she became a almost an advisor to the business in the beginning. And so, you know, I think having those mentors are really critical whenever you're at an inflection point, whether it's starting a new gig or shifting gears in, in your current business. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about boot camp and let's talk about street cred. We have a lot of listeners who are established to the Wingnut Social Podcast, who are designers who have been established for a while. And then we also have the Luann Nagara hashtag baby designers <laughs> just starting. Right. So what should a designer have under their cap already to be a legitimate personality, have enough weight behind them, enough street cred to even start thinking about, hey, I'm going to design this product to get a licensing deal. How important is their influencer status to be in place, their social media metrics, press, or even any celebrity clientele, the design work they've done up to up to now? If that's a great question. And I've seen deals put together in various ways. So there's, you know, I think before an interior designer would sort of step over that threshold and say, okay, I'm going to go, you know, guns blazing and, and put <laughs> together licensing deals. I think you really need to have a sit down with yourself and figure out why, right? Like what you're hoping to gain from the licensing world, mm -hmm. because the reality is it takes a lot of deals to really have it be the type of income stream, I think that people sort of dream about. <laughs> And right. I speak to designers all the time, because again, these are my clients, these are people I talk to every day, that, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, this is great, I want to get into licensing. And, you know, I, I need passive income, you know, this way, I'll have mailbox checks, and, mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll design it once, and then it'll pay, you know, right. it'll, it'll be like a retirement pension, you know, and it, we all have these big dreams about the world of licensing. And the reality is, it takes time to build up the traction and momentum. And it, it takes lots and lots of collections to really make it click. Right. And so I think there's various reasons to want to put together a licensing deal, some of which is the marketing piece, right? It's like it's a good feather in your cap. Um, and if you can put a deal together with a company who understands the marketing piece and, and has the distribution, they can help get your name out. And so I think it's, it is a good thing for a street credibility, like you said, for that street cred of I've signed a deal, you know, I, I'm launching this into my own product category. 
with company XYZ. You know, I think that that sort of promotion is never a bad thing, depending on whether or not your business needs it. So you spend all that money on your shiny new website, but how do you know it's getting the job done and attracting real life clients? Are your photos optimized? Are your backlinks bending over backward to work for you? Have you lost the keys to your keywords? If all of this is making your head spin, don't worry. Wingnut Social's SEO website audit will answer all these questions and more. In fact, here is what you get when you purchase. Two hours of consulting with an expert. A crawlability check for broken links. Site performance. Metadata checks. Metadata is what helps Google know where to rank your page. On-page SEO. Length messaging, duplicate content, mobile audit headers. There's just so much to learn. Yeah, keywords and content suggestions. You'll get a list of keywords for you to target and content suggestions for targeting them. And of course, those backlink audits to make sure they're going to help you or hurt you. Are they helping or hurting you? You'll find out by going to wingnutsocial.com slash services and just check out the SEO website audit. It is a one-time fee and it's a tremendous value. Now back to the show. With your vast experience, if you're dealing with, you know, big name vendors like Curry and Company or, you know, some high end you want to do a licensing deal with them as an influencer, what is it that they're looking at for you to be bringing to the table to even consider? Is it just the quality of the product? Does that have to blow their socks off? Or are they looking for an interior designer with 100,000 followers? You know, they just did... Um, Lenny Kravitz's living room. <laughs> you know, right. Wh- and and mm-hmm. that exists too, okay. right? You know, so it's both. I mean, somebody to look at from a licensing perspective who I think is doing a, a really great job and, and has a really interesting background is um, Inspire Me Home Decor. So I don't know if you know who she is, Mm-mm. but Farah has probably one of the largest social media followings in the home decor space. So she's, I want to say, pushing 6 million followers. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, her community is, you know, some interior designers, of course, but a lot of consumers who just love the content she's putting out. And her feed started really as a place for her to collect inspiration, like it was pre Pinterest. And she's a friend of mine. She was collecting inspiration for her own home. And it was when Instagram first started and she got in early and, and struck a nerve with people and, and got lots of followers. And she's parlayed that, you know, she brings that following to the table. She's parlayed that into, the Inspire Me Home Decor collections. And so she's got, you know, the various lines that she's now licensing. So in her instance, I think, you know, the company she's partnering with very much fit into the aesthetic that she likes, that she brings to the table and that her home is designed in. So that makes sense. And then the companies are looking to her for her following. Sure, of course. Um, (laughs) And and not just her following, but quite frankly, the content she puts out because she's you know, she eats, sleeps and breathes producing content. This is not something that she's doing as a side hustle. This is something she right. does full time is content production. Right. Karina, we so, need to get her on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she's, she is great. Um, and she's got a, an interesting hook and an interesting angle. You don't have to have 6 million Mm-mm. followers either. You know, you can have more of a micro influence right. as well. That's actually really hot right now. The micro influencer industry is really burgeoning. Well, because I think brands are realizing that you can pay, you know, a million and a half dollars or God only knows what it is to have like Kim Kardashian <laughs> post something for you. God forbid. Or you could use a lot less than mm-hmm. that, tap into 10 or 20 or 50, you know, different influencers, interior designers or home decor experts or lifestyle experts. 
and have a different type of reach, but still be reaching your target audience. Exactly. You know, so sometimes that's what you're bringing to the table. Honestly, sometimes it's that they like your aesthetic. You know, it's not about your following. It's about the look that you bring to the table. True. I've seen interior designers really successfully pull off licensing deals because if they're doing custom design as part of their workload, you know, they may be doing custom pieces for their clients then they may take those custom pieces. I think this is a key. So I'm going to say this slow and loud (laughs) for all of you out there listening. Make sure you own your designs. Uh So I want all of you interior designers out there that do custom work to make sure that before you send them to manufacturers to produce, that you have a contract that you put together And that says the manufacturer does not own the design, that it's your intellectual property and that they are, they're given permission to produce it for you one off for the project you're doing. Awesome. That's a great, great advice. Yeah. Too many interior designers get taken advantage of because they create something beautiful and special and they don't protect themselves and they're not clear on it. And, you know, the manufacturer, you know, has in their fine print, it says we own the rights to it then, you know, we've created the molds or we've created the rollers or whatever it is. And and then they go off and they start putting it into their own line and the designer never sees a cent after that. So that breaks my heart, you know, and, and so I think it's just knowing that when you create something from scratch, that intellectual property is yours, you're very careful, you have to be businesslike about it, and you should have contracts with all your manufacturers with a clause in there that covers intellectual property and that acknowledges that any intellectual property you're giving them to produce is yours and you're the owner of it. You're the sole and exclusive owner of it. And if someone had a question on how to find that contract or somewhere, they could obviously reach out to you and you would help guide them in that direction so they don't get taken advantage of? There's lots of intellectual property attorneys out there. And so getting somebody, you know, whether they're a generalist, you know, a good generalist as an attorney should be able to write IP or intellectual property clauses into a contract, into a manufacturer's agreement. So I would start with your lawyers and otherwise, you know, look, I do a licensing as a a full-time business at this point for the Stacey Garcia Design House. So we have uh, intellectual property specialists. Awesome. Awesome advice. And something that I'm sure no one, including me, even thought of. I thought, uh, I, well, I thought I want to know how do you find that? If I'm going to go find something, I want to know how to protect it because Stacey just told you to protect it, Darla. So I asked the proper question. Exactly. And that's a great question. That's a great follow-up question. I mean, we do, I do take, you know, some clients that we do from time to time mentor and coach. So that's an arm of our business that we're going to be expanding upon because I do get so many requests. So that is also a possibility. The other thing is for interior designers, so you do these great custom pieces. Now you sort of have a portfolio to work and you, you can go pitch that to other companies. And sometimes the best companies to pitch to are the ones that you're working with the most, right? So the companies that you're specifying often or the companies that you're using to do these custom pieces, you know, maybe that's who you sit down with first rather than go and cold call and, you know, try to pitch to new people that you don't have a relationship with. It's sort of looking at your own network and your own partners and saying, well, who do we like working with? You know, who has great customer service? Who does a great job marketing? Who takes really good care of us? That might be, you know, a good starting point on who to approach for a licensing deal. I think that's an excellent starting point because you already have a rapport and you know how they they operate. So you, you have that comfort level kind of going in. 
Stacy, may I ask you a question? You touched on this before, because in my intro, I said that licensing has been referred to as the holy grail of interior design. And I do think that a lot of designers think that if they can get that, then that is their pension check coming through. They can be, have some more passive income. And you could dispelled a little bit of that, although there it is possible, you know, you could hit it big with licensing and make some pretty good coin that way. But how much of that is just a numbers game? Like, I think you did say that it depends on how many how many lines, how many different things that you have? Is is it a yeah, big deal? And, and how it hits, you know, what? and some of it is also like how much distribution does the company that you're with have? You know, this is the hard stuff. I think a lot of interior designers get into the business because we're creatives, right? You know, I mean, it's the same same thing I did. I went to art school. I have a degree in fine arts from Syracuse University. And, you know, as a kid, I I wasn't sort of dreaming of becoming a business person. I was dreaming of becoming an artist. Mm -hmm. You know, that was that was my dream. And which is what took me to art school. And I became a designer so that I could actually make money and not you know, live in a cardboard box. And I think a lot of interior designers sort of straddle a little more of a business mindset. It, it is more of a numbers game. You have to be good at math because you're doing scale and proportion different than being, you know, sort of a, a two-dimensional artist or designer. Mm-hmm. But I think there's still that aspect of wanting to just sort of have that fun part of the job, you know, have that creative part of the job. Right. When you're sitting down to do a licensing deal, you really have to, again, have that check-in to say, you know, this is this is a business deal. And so you're going to sit at the table, you know, let's say you have a manufacturer who bites and says, hey, yeah, we'd like to do, you know, this, this might be something interesting for us. And um, let's sit down and have this conversation. I think you sort of need to go prepared with a questionnaire, which is what I normally do, where we're vetting out the companies that are interested in, in doing business with us or that we're interested in doing business with to get more of a lay of the landscape, right? So that I understand, you know, what does a collection look like for them? You know, if it's lighting and you mentioned curry, you know, what does a collection look like? How many pieces is it? What do they typically sell Mm -hmm. of a collection? You know, what does an average licensing deal sell for them? And um, what do the royalties look like? So you can start doing the math backwards from there and really start to manage your own expectations on what's the life of that collection? How many years is a lighting piece run in your line. Smart. Um, you sound like you've done this before. <laughs> yeah. You know, we fool ourselves. Like we just get so excited to have the deal. Yes. And I've been there. I've lived it. So this is my own experience. It's like, you just get so excited. Like we got our deal. We got a deal. I got a deal. I remember being so excited. I know this is silly. <laughs> I shared it on another um, interview that I had done, but I was so psyched. Like we got a deal to do paper napkins. <laughs> so and I, I was like, this is just going to be like printing money. You know, like <laughs> it was a design we had already done. We signed a deal with this company who does paper goods and, and has great distribution. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's paper napkins. <laughs> like I took my kid out for a latte. Uh, well, you know, put my hand in my pocket. better than a sharp <laughs> stick in the eye, I like to say. Stacy, as you kept saying, everybody thought it would be a pension check. Like the dollars would just be flying in the mailbox. In the accounting side of me wants to know, going in as a designer, how many licensing deals should you try to make sure? I mean, I know there's no easy number, but I mean, do you want to try for five licensing deals, 10 licensing? If you really do want to make it to where it is your pension, is there a magic number? The long and short of it is sometimes shit flops. You know, I mean, sometimes it doesn't work. (laughs) That's the reality. Look, the 80-20 rule exists everywhere. It's not like exempt from licensing. It's not exempt from interior design. It's not exempt from anything. Like 80% of the stuff you do may not work. It's the 20% that clicks that's going to account for the bulk of your sales. Mm. And so I think people know that, you know, in the import business, in the wholesale business, the manufacturing business, you try to mitigate 
risk. And our licensing deals are a little different because some of them are really robust. You know, we, we have like large wall covering collections. So we're not just doing a pattern, you know, we're doing five-year deals that we're constantly feeding that beast. We're constantly putting new product out. I mean, we've been with York wall covering now 13 and a half years. So we sell a lot of beautiful texture also. And and we do that on purpose to try to make sure that we're hitting sales, you know, where people are going to be specking volume. And then we have a lot of, you know, we have gorgeous stuff that like sizzles. It's, it's the wow pieces and the wow pieces are not probably doing as much volume. So we do try to have that balancing act within the collections we develop for the sake of, you know, the royalties, but also for the sake of the licensees we're partnering with. I want to make sure it's lucrative for them. When they do well, we do well. And so we're really looking to serve the licensing partners that we're with, with the best strategy for sales on our brand. But yeah, there are items that we come out with, like I said, you know, whether it was paper napkins or other things. And, you know, it's just, it's either not a huge category or it doesn't have the traction for whatever the reason is. And, you know, you dust off and you go and you try to support them to the best of your ability and you go look for the next deal and and you dig into why, you know, I mean, we've, we've had those, those hard conversations from time to time where it's like, okay, this didn't quite go the way we wanted it to. Like what's going on in this category for you across the board, forget just my brand or my name or my collection. Like, is this a category that only we're struggling in, or is this something that, you know, you're struggling in, in general. And sometimes we find, yeah, they were struggling in general. They brought us in because they thought we were the Messiah. Like we were going to turn that whole division around for them when it was a division that either they had the wrong pricing or the wrong distribution model, or it wasn't what the consumer wanted anymore. That happens. Stacy, that was an excellent answer. Stacy, I have to ask you now if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round. I am ready. Yeah, I feel it. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. Stacey Garcia, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? Ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. I have to think about this one now. I was going to say a weeping willow, but that's sad. I just think that they're so beautiful <laughs> and I love that they can kind of stand in unexpected places. Oh, I love that answer. I, I would say go with that. That's yeah, beautiful. Right, there you go. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Maybe hashtag lived well, loved well. I don't know. There you go. I like that. That's nice. That's very sweet. If you could have only one superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, I would teleport myself. That's an easy yeah. one. Yeah. That's a, that's an awesome one. And I have to ask you, I ask all the guests that say teleportation, if you've seen the movie Jumpers. I haven't. It's about teleportation. Yeah. You would okay, love it. Right. Yes. Oh, that's funny. So I'm not the first one who said teleportation, right? No, it's one of my favorite. It's the probably the top what? Six. That and flying. Flying is number one, yeah. Yeah, no, I wish I could just blink like I dream of Jeannie and just show up with my next meeting and not have to like, you know, oh, wade through me too. You know, TSA. That. Please recommend a book that has had a profound effect on you either personally or professionally. Oh, I have so many good ones. Personally, it's an oldie, but a goodie. And it just came to my attention. So to me, it was a new one. Many Lives, Many Masters. Oh, is that Shirley MacLaine? No, so, right? but no, no, but it, it's probably some of the voodoo that she subscribes to. It was written <laughs> by um, a psychologist. Oh, okay. It was I about, think it is what I think it is voodoo she subscribes to. That's probably I'm why sure I thought it of it. Is. Yeah, but I, I was like, wow, that was definitely like an interesting read. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I mean, I guess that was a, a, one of the more recent ones. From a business perspective, I just read Never Split the Difference. Oh, and I thought that one. was amazing. 
Never split the difference. Who's the author on that? I have it, but you know, um, I, I can't remember it. I'm not good at author recall, but Google it. It was really good, and it was written by the head negotiator for like the FBI on hostage negotiations. Chris Voss. Chris Voss. Never split the difference. You know, I have that in my queue and I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, that was a good one. I, I would highly recommend it. I wonder if he does the reading on it if you do Audible. I don't know. I haven't, li- I haven't listened to it yet. Stacey, you have a new fabric collection coming out with Calico Corners. Tell us about that. I do. So that's launching in January of 2020 at Calico Stores Nationwide. Um, it is done in partnership with Krypton Home which is a really cool technology that makes the fabric high performance, which is great. Like I'm a mom of four kids and I have a dog. And so I have Krypton Home in my own home. And I'm excited that Calico is going to be offering that. And in addition, I have a collection that we license. So speaking of licensing to QVC, <laughs> and um, so I sell on air and that's a collection called Stay by Stacy Garcia. And it's nice. all inspired by hotel living and bringing that kind of luxury of hotel home with you. Okay, so for the wingnuts listening, there's the pension check. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, either that or there's the one where we sit down and go, all right, talk to me about this category, guys. <laughs> fashion and take a quick pivot. <laughs> and if our listeners want to go to your website, give us that quick URL and then we will. Yeah, so that you can find me on uh, stacygarcia.com. There's no E in Stacy. And um, on social at Stacy Garcia Inc. Awesome possum. Stacy, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast and enduring our cooties. Today. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad I'm in New York, many states away. I'm you know, so glad I didn't have to teleport over there and catch it. You don't want it. Yeah, no, thank you. Right. Thank, thank you, you for enduring. For hosting me. Yeah, this was fun. Of course. Have an amazing day. Natalie and Giraffe. Yes. How long until our QVC licensing deal is ready? Well, if you listen to everything that Stacy said, she pretty much laid it out on how to do it. So uh, go ahead, knock she- yourself out, and you can go do that. So whenever you do that, <laughs> you can have your licensing deal. It's not easy being the rainmaker. Stacy Garcia is a heavy hitter. She's yeah, got it she going is. on. She's she one does. smart cookie. And I love how she had that that moxie and that get up and go to go door to door to vendors and say, hey, I want a license. Here's some fabrics. And then she was like, well, screw you guys. I'm going to go $50,000, rent a booth. And she just did her damn self in a day and age without social media. Remember the dial up, the AOL? She was like, yes, I had it. How did that go? Up. Bing, 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 bing. No, that was nothing. No, no, no. Remember? No, don't do that. Yeah, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even do it without no. a gold. Right? So now in this day and age, we can basically be your own PR firm with social media and anyone can be an influencer. She said, Hi, it's, it's God, come on, guys. You have no excuse. I accept I might hire a publicist. I mean, I don't know. Just saying. Or an, a marketing agency. Or, yeah, or a PR firm. Or do something. we know any? No, we know not any? at all. No, no, no. no. Okay. Don't know anybody. We know social. Nat, we made it. We did. I really want all our listeners to know what you have on because I have been sitting here across the room looking (laughs) and just dying laughing because every time I look at you, you have on a pair of Adidas gym shorts, Mm -hmm. a Darla Powell Interiors t-shirt. You have on your cheetah CVs. And I'm looking at you thinking just how ridiculously funny you look. I'm just... That's not, hilarious. Not only do I, I sound funny, but I look funny. Yes, you do. That's Today you do. That's the beauty of doing these things audio only. This is true. No but I video. hope you guys got that visual picture because I've had to stare at it for the last hour. All right, guys. 
Uh, we hope you like what you heard. If you do, please leave us a review on whatever the hell you're listening to this show on. Please follow us on social at Wingnut Social and welcome to 2020. Now go out there and kill it. So long. See ya. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next week for more business and marketing info and insightful interviews with industry experts and design superstars. Can't wait? Then head on over to wingnutsocial.com for more great content to help you get your business to the next level. This is it. Make no mistake who you are. This is it. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, Darla Brenda Vaccaro Powell. And <laughs> oh shit, I forgot who I was. Hold on. I knew you were going to go somewhere with that. I was going to say, coming to you from the land of. <laughs> Good boy, Mango.